Hey guys, Roshan here from Saturday Selects and I would like to welcome you to Sync. Sync is a new podcast series under Saturday Selects that looks to have a deeper conversation with key people in the creative industry, particularly music, both locally and around the world. The mission of this podcast is to dig into the minds of those behind the scenes and on the front lines of our industry and understand why they do what they do and what makes them tick. Having been involved in the Malaysian music scene for myself for the past 4 years, these people have been major inspirations to a lot of my fellow peers and myself included. But before we begin, I'd like to firstly thank the amazing people at 10 Points Up for jumping on board and collaborating with us and helping us bring the series to life. Collaboration is key and we're going to be speaking more about how important it is in every episode. With over 20 years of being active in the local and international circuit, our guest today has started from being a flyer boy to handling tours and bookings for legendary clubs and international DJs. From working with Zukeel, starting Livescapes Asia, and now running a boutique music agency called Plural Asia, he loves music and is extremely passionate about creating the best experiences for his attendees to enjoy. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Adam Matthews. Yo. Hey Adam. What's up? What's up? How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Not too bad. It's thank you for inviting me. Hey, thank you for being here. Yeah. I really appreciate you making the time. No, I mean being part of our new podcast. Yeah. I mean like tell me a bit more about the podcast. I mean, I don't know much about it. Well, the podcast is really focusing on creatives, you know, people who've been in the industry for a really long time. Not just music, we have a lot of uh, designers coming on board as well we have uh, DJs we have uh, club promoters club owners nice. scheduled over the next uh, couple of weeks so i think that's pretty fun we're just highlighting their stories getting to getting to know a bit about them mm. and their opinions on certain things that have been happening throughout this yeah. pandemic and about their experiences that they've had i think that's really important i mean like you know i i i really thought about this not long ago um when uh, a dear friend of ours had passed away a uh, shaz right yeah. um it it really like hit home that um in the past sort of like year or year and a bit uh we lost a few like really important people in the KL industry yeah. i mean globally yeah i mean like it's been crazy right i mean like i think sometimes like sometimes i scared to like get text from people like you like you go dude did you hear i'm like oh <laughs> my god who is it now you know yeah uh but shaz was the one that really hit home um that was like you know uh two months ago um and i just remember one thing that was really hit home that basically we are losing more and more of our storytellers yeah right? that's so true uh and i think this is what what you guys are doing it's good because like i mean these stories are going to last forever so yeah. you know um none of us are going to last forever but if the stories can last forever that's lessons and uh experiences that we should learn from these people right yeah. um yeah so thank you thank you yeah. well um speaking about shahs and people you know that have been in the industry and we're trying to keep these stories alive a lot of the people you know like assume a lot of the young people especially assume that getting into the nightlife industry means that the goal is to become a dj Mm. you know uh there's various paths that one can take when entering this industry but your story when we first met was mm-hmm. really interesting to me you started out as a flyer boy back yeah. in the UK in yeah. 96 and um you started promoting parties at Gatecrasher yeah. you worked the summers in Ibiza yeah. and you know you bring back you brought back all the knowledge that you gained 
back to Malaysia and he started promoting parties at venues around KL yep. and eventually launched FMFA, Future Music Festival well, in via KL. Via Zoo KL. Yeah, yeah. via Zoo KL. Yeah. yeah. Could you share with us on how you decided to choose this career path for yourself coming into the nightlife industry? I mean, it's almost the same as like me asking you, did you choose to be a DJ? I mean, it's hard, right? I mean, you don't, you don't choose this career, right? It chooses you, yeah. right? Uh, I think um, your life kind of like goes a certain trajectory. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people like, you know, I truly believe like life is linear, right? There's a step point and an end point, right? And um, everything that, like, till we are here today, you know, like, me and you, I mean, we met not that long ago, maybe three years. Two years. Two years, yeah. right? And, uh, but we immediately clicked. We started working together really, really fast. And um, it's linear because, like, you know, you were in the scene even earlier than that, but we never crossed paths, really. Yeah. We haven't. So uh, when I say the, the career chooses you, it does choose you. Um, I mean, look, I have always loved music um, from when I was a little boy. Um, and I grew up with um, a dad that loved music. He was the first guy I knew who collected vinyl. And none of his brothers and sisters collected vinyl. Uh, although he had, I'll tell you a story about this soon. Uh, but, you know, then I have cousins who, uh, cousins who were in the music industry. My um, I have one very famous cousin, uh, this guy called Josie Thomas, who was one of the most famous musicians in um, Malaysia for the longest time. And his son is John Thomas, who is, oh, wow. yeah, okay. and then you know Isaiah, and you know, you know. Yeah. So like, it's, it's, it's like, you know, these, that, that literally is a full circle. So I've always been around music. Then when I went to the UK, I found that I didn't have clubs to go to that I wanted to listen to my music, which when you were in, you know, growing up in the early 90s here, uh, it was all R&B and hip hop. And in the UK, it was all Britpop. And at that point, a hard style and, you know. So I was like, you know, something's wrong. So I organized my own nights in uni. Okay. And again, like I said, this thing chooses you because I wanted to listen to this kind of music. I knew a couple of DJs, so I put on a couple of nights in the student union and these nights just grew and grew and grew. I went from like a 80 capacity room with 300 people outside to, at that point, the biggest club in the city that I went to Union, which was basically Sheffield in the UK. Big up, Sheffield. <laughs> um, and yeah, like it literally just grew. And like you say, you know, like I, I started with flyering because it was my own nights, right? So I would be the one, you know, and my business partner, Effie, big up Effie, uh, <laughs> uh, who basically stood outside, you know, the, the clubs at like kick out time at 3 a.m. in the morning when all these people coming out drunk and like you're giving out flyers, standing on the street in the corner of like HSBC Bank and like, you know, in the middle of winter cold, literally wearing an A-board. I wore an A-board, right? Wow. Giving out flyers and giving out stickers because last time in the UK, you give out a sticker because if, if you give someone a flyer, a flyer would be thrown on the floor, but if you give a sticker, it's stuck with them. Most of the time, they didn't know it was on them, so they would go home and someone says, what's that? And then you see a sticker like, oh, that guy you know, stick at me. So it was one of our little tricks back then. So um, yeah, it just kind of like grew from there, from a flyer boy to running my own nights to going on world tour for the Mighty Gay Crusher. I mean, you know, I was in Ibiza, in, in Ayanapa. I came back to the Far East in Hong Kong, Malaysia. You know, I did some crazy tours with them. 
uh, back then. That must have been like an experience. Yeah, like, you know, because that was the, I mean, okay, so basically what they say in, in electronic music, basically there's been three Summer of Loves, uh, yeah. three blow-ups, right? So the original Summer of Love was the early 80s in the UK when the first super clubs were, uh, the first outdoor raves were, you know, happening. This is like uh, super illegal parties in in in, um, in fields where people like Carl Cox and Pete Tong and Judge Jules and all those guys were kind of just starting off DJing. So these were like big, huge, illegal raves on the outside. And then the second Summer of Love coincided with when I was in the UK, which is around 95, 96, 97 to almost 98, 99. Um, that was the birth of the super club. So uh, Cream, Gatecrasher, Ministry of Sound, all those big, massive clubs, that was the second Summer of Love. So I was there during that point and it was great you know to see the birth of a uh, uh, counterculture right it was yeah. literally and then when that died then you see the subculture yeah. coming out right which is basically then you know i believe it's everything's in cycles so you 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 go from loving a, a, a main culture to a pop culture which then becomes a subculture yeah underground and then all over again because a lot of the music that you and i bounce around to these days is stuff that i was clubbing to in 98, 97, wow. stuff like that. So, like, you know, music moves, moves in cycles. So, yeah. Okay. Mm. You've experienced everything from, like, 96, so it's, like, almost 24 years and counting. Yeah. Um, you've had a longevity in this industry that a lot of people, including myself, strive to have. Yeah. Uh, and it's safe to say that a lot of people in Malaysia don't see being in this industry as a serious job. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've seen and experienced that others have overlooked to have longevity in the industry? That's a great question. Um, I think the first thing is basically ego. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look, if you're in it for the ego, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. yeah? I think uh, come back to you and me, where we vibe, again, it's always music, right? Yeah. I speak to you a lot, and it's always like, yo, have you heard this? Or yo, have you seen this? You yeah. know, And it goes back to basically, why are you in it? If you're going to be in what we call nightlife, right? Nightlife is based around music. So yeah. you've got to love the music first, right? If you start off with basically loving the fact that you're on the front door saying, yeah, you can come in, you can't come in, then you're in it for the wrong reason, right? Uh, I can, I've seen, I mean, we have seen a lot of people, DJs included, yeah. MCs included. I'm not calling anybody out, but like we've seen a lot of people who are basically just there because they're enjoying the limelight, right? Yeah. That's the wrong reason, yeah? And, and sorry to say, but I doubt people like this are going to be there for a long time. So first of all, it's get the ego out. Know why you're there. It's, it's you know, you're there for the music, right? My second thing is basically, and they, this, I call this my, you know, my official drug, is basically I genuinely love seeing people on the dance floor, okay. right? I love it, yeah? I love seeing, I love that moment. That last time when we were in Gyro, we used to like hang back, right? Yeah. And we used to like look at people and just go, yo, you know, fist bump, you know? Yeah. That, that's dope, you know, that's, that's, that's fire, you know? Because when we're seeing people dancing to an artist that we book, local or regional or international, doesn't matter, but like we put that on and we're seeing people like, you know, hands in the air pump, you know, fist bumping or just hugging each other, that's a drug, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a drug, and um, that's why I promote music. You know, I don't promote nightlife. I don't think I do. You know, not in that sense. I promote nightlife as a carrier for the music, so I promote music. Okay, so like being passionate about music would be like 
the key you would yeah, say yeah i mean like, like again being passionate about it i think it. the passion is really really one thing but you have to figure out why you have to identify why you're passionate why, why you're passionate you yeah. know like you know i mean there's nothing wrong with having an ego honestly it's just like it's fine you know it's good it should be like it should be part and parcel about who you are i mean you've never heard i mean look at all the great promoters in the world right yeah. um they all have ego right <laughs> Yeah. They all do. All the great artists in the world, they all have ego. But I think that, you know, at some point, they let their passion for what they're doing come out first. And then the ego surrounds that. It's fine. You know, okay. um, some of the most egotistical guys in the world, I mean, <laughs> deep flow, I'm West, I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> right? You know, I, I love the guy, but God, you know, like ego, but he just loves the music, man. Yeah. yeah? Again, James Abila, I mean, like, you would not think that he has an ego, but he does. But, like, God, he loves the music, you know? Like, he, I swear to God, some of these guys, when they look at you, I don't think they're looking at you. They're looking, they're looking at codes. They're looking at ones and zeros, and they're looking at, like, you know, um, uh, Ableton. <laughs> they're, they're, looking, they're looking at pieces like, you're a waveform to them, right? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, that, that's a longevity. I think uh, the other thing is basically, yeah, Damn, take care of yourself, man. Yeah. Right? I yeah, think... Yeah. Um, we're, okay. gonna, we're definitely going to get into that later yeah. as well. About yeah, take care of yourself. Take care of everybody around you because, look, this, this as much as people... Okay, you and I, we've had this conversation before. Sometimes people walk into this business thinking it's glamorous. Yeah. Right? And I assure you it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. You know, um, that, that period where you're in a club and you're setting up Oh yeah, the yeah. nerves. Yep. Right, man. You know, like a, we always say, bang balls, right? Bang balls. <laughs> uh, the nerves that you have, you know, uh, just from the setup. You're doing your decor. You're getting everything right. You're putting your heart and soul. I mean, this is the way we, the promoter in us comes out. We put yeah. our, we put our, you know, we put everything out there, and we're literally put bearing your soul, hoping that. The people that are supposed to come, who told you, I'm gonna go come on a guest list, or I'm gonna be there, I bought a ticket, or I'm, you know, I got a table, or whatever, that you hope that that is, they're gonna come, right? And you and I also, again, this comes conversation, like the worst, 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 worst point of any promoter is that half an hour before the doors open, and probably the one hour after <laughs> that when. No the most one stressful point in the club, yeah. Or like you know, just a few people come and you're like, oh my god, no one's gonna come. <laughs> what are we gonna do? And you're oh just worried god. and stressed out, right? Yeah. I mean, like we've we've been through that a few times, and yeah. you, you know, like, and then somehow that magic happens. Yeah. Right. And yeah. people start to turn up, and people are in there, and people are on the dance floor, people at the bar, and people are going, yo, shot. You know, and it, yeah. that's that's so that's so much fun, man. I mean, like I I love that moment. That's right? what keeps us going, really. Like yeah. that end of the night, seeing people. Yeah. But you speaking earlier about the setup, setting up beforehand, the decor, you yeah. know, getting everything ready. In between the madness, calmness also almost doesn't exist in our no. case. No. You know, especially from people on the outside of the industry looking in. Yeah. Just to go back a little bit, when Future Music Festival in 2014 got cancelled. Yeah. How did you react to the situation and how did you manage to stay mentally strong with what came after? Gosh, I think, I think that, I mean, it was devastating. Yeah. You know, definitely devastating. I think um, 
Iqbal and Rahul, who were actually on site, took the brunt of it. I was actually in the hotel with the artist. Okay. So, you know, that the 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 decision, right, came to them first and you know, they faced the police, they faced, you know, on the front, you know, and then the back was me having to explain to the artist, you know, it's like I'm so sorry you're not going in your bus anymore. To the side, you know, I was like, I remember being at the Hilton and then, you know, obviously your phone's blowing up and you have to choose who you answer and don't answer. Yeah. Right? Because again it's a very um it's a very delicate situation. Yeah. So and obviously, you know, all those people that you haven't heard from you know, those who call you for guest list is one thing. Those who want bad news from you, that's another one, you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole different yeah. degree of news. Uh, bro, are you okay? I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, of course I'm not okay. But um, how do you cope, man? There is no way but to keep yourself, you know, grounded. Yeah. Uh, to understand that the world might be coming down on you. Because yeah. even mentally and physically, that was tough. You know, I remember like feeling like a pain in my chest. I mean, like not a heart, heart not a heart attack, but like just heartbreak. Yeah, that was, um, <clears throat> that was painful, man. That was really painful to know that something that you had worked almost your entire life to get towards. I mean, like, look, that year, that lineup, was insane <laughs> I honestly don't think anyone anyone will see that in a short lifetime right wow. ever in Southeast Asia again yeah that was an international I was right know? outside the stadium yeah. <laughs> when it all went down I was yeah. like, why aren't we going in <laughs> I just want to see Macklemore and Ryan Lewis <laughs> yeah you know uh, look we we were we had to tell Pharrell <laughs> oh god I can't imagine that <laughs> we had to tell Pharrell you know uh, oh man um the most heartbreaking one was basically Eric Pritz. You oh know? yeah, God, you I know, like imagine. I was, we, I flew to London. You know, I was in London, and I was remember being at the management's offices, the agency, Willie Morris's offices, and you know, and and speaking to the Australian partners and, and messaging Iqbal and Rahul, and you know, like saying, hey, you know, there's a possibility that Eric might fly to Asia. Yeah, you know, that was a thing, right? Because Eric did not fly. Yeah. Right. It was already a huge thing that Eric flew from uh, LA at that point to Australia to do the the Australian run of Future Music Festival, and then to uh, get him to agree to fly from Australia to Asia was, you know, was tough. I can imagine. Uh, And and you know the Australian partners, you know Brett and Jason, and and um, did a great job to convince us. And then I remember being at the London offices. And also saying like, look, we really want to have him. You know, we we think it's going to be a great show. And it would have been Eric's first Asian show. Wow. <laughs> okay. Or definitely his first Southeast Asian show. And you know, um, then it was agreed that he would fly to Singapore. Okay. To perform a very special show at Zook Singapore. Okay. And then drive up. Wow. From you know that day. Yeah. And the fact that we had to call him while he was already in Malaysia. I believe he was in Aikro. <laughs> and to tell the tour manager it's not happening and then he having to turn around and go back to go Singapore. Go back to Singapore. Car, wow. Right? Ah, oh, man. At least, like, Eric Pritz has been to Aikro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know Malaka, what up? <laughs> you had Eric Pritz. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking on, like, artists like Eric Pritz that you've booked for FMFA, I'm going to name you some artists oh, that wow. you've previously booked and maybe right. you can share with us a very brief 
experience fun sad funny um and you know we can get a little bit of insight Ken. behind the scenes Ken. uh Wu Tang Clan Okay so the the Wu guys are Red Man and and Method Man were in KL for FMFA yeah. uh, obviously because of the um because of the uh, cancellation um they stayed in the their hotel and um <laughs> they smoked a lot <laughs> <laughs> and eat a lot of fried chicken. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like I'm not joking like it was like a constant delivery of fried chicken. Did they try like Malaysian fried chicken? I mean we we gave them everything. everything. I mean, they were re- they were literally in Brickfields, yeah. Wow. They were literally in Brickfields. So like okay. we went down to uh the I can't remember the name of the shop but there was this one that super dope, you know, like ayam goreng. Ayam goreng. You know, and it was just it was it was crazy. You know, it was just like we want that, we want that, we want that, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> but um I mean, look, it's um it was surreal. Yeah. Right. It was really surreal, and I remember uh, at that point, um, I was uh, Maybelline and a couple of other people were like also like helping with the artist liaison. Okay. And like you know, just getting very blurred <laughs> <laughs> messages from them saying uh, we need more. <laughs> It happens. Uh, they were great though. Yeah, I can great. imagine. Yeah. What about Armin Van Buren? Man, he's such a sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. He's really such a sweetheart and you know like um every story about him about him being a nice guy is the absolute truth. Uh he makes so much time for everybody. And considering like what he is still till today the most successful number one DJ in the world. Okay. Bring it from, you know, from the hallowed offices of uh, DJ Mag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you know like he he's I mean his personality like you know it's it's so true. Um look and and He is human, right? Yeah. I'll give you a really funny story. Um we don't think that you know someone like Armin Armin comes, you know, private jet goes yeah. off. He doesn't. You know like he comes obviously he flies business or whatever, but like there's no private jet or anything. Not not for anywhere in Asia anyway. And um I remember that he was performing at Zukeal um one year. And um David Lewis, his okay, manager flew with him, right? Uh, and him and David, we hung out for a few days. I think we, he was here for three days. You know, we hung out in KL. And Armin was like, "Hey, I want to buy an iPhone." <laughs> okay, five <5S>. S. <laughs> I want to buy an iPhone. I was like, "Okay, where do you go to buy iPhone? Laoya Plaza, right?" Yeah. So me, David, and Armin went to Laoya Plaza <laughs> to buy an iPhone. To buy an iPhone. And in fact, we bought three iPhones that day. Wow. One for him, one for his wife, and one for David, right? Because they couldn't believe how cheap it was in Malaysia. Yeah, exchange rates. Right? Mm-hmm. Exchange rate was and and it was uh, it was literally at a point when it was just came out and like everywhere else had gone. It was sold out. It's an yeah. iPhone. Obviously, Laoya Plaza. Yeah. Was there so like he goes there and he was astounded by all the gadgets. I mean, and you know, electronics. like he was just good. Like he was, he was like a little kid. You know, like you know, like you take a kid to Toys R Us. There was Armin and Laoya Plaza, right? Wow. <laughs> he was running around, going, whoa, 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 and he was just like, you know, just like, and then by looking all these stupid gadgets and. You know, like it was, it's weird. You know, like, and I was just like, wow. And then the rest of the time, he was just like setting up his iPhone and like playing the games. And he was just like, it was just, and I'm like driving, just going, Armin's in the back of my car, playing games, playing on his games. New iPhone from Laoya <laughs> yeah. Plaza. Yeah, you know, and again, when he came for ASOT, he was just a darling. You know, yeah. like you know, considering that he was a world number one DJ with a world number one internet radio show at that point. Yeah, that's true. It's just a boy. Yeah. Wow. And last but not least, Mos Def. Oh man. Shout out to my boy Sanjeev, aka Buddy Love, Buddy <laughs> AKA Love, Exo Groove. 
Oh man, so the um, panther himself. The panther, right? Yeah, yeah, the sex panther. Um, most deaf. <laughs> Now he was a handful, right? Oh gosh, he was a handful. Um, he had just um, converted at All that right. point okay. to be called Yasin Bay, right? And uh, we had booked him for a show for a launch of uh, an internet, uh, uh, um, a digital platform. And we were hosting him, and and Sanjeev was taking care of him, okay. right? And Mo- Yasin was um, he's he's quite infamous for not turning up on turning up the airports, yep. right? Really, really infamous. And um, we basically waited for six different flights. <laughs> <laughs> I waited for a couple, but it was mainly Sanjeev <laughs> waiting at airports. Uh, not knowing whether he was going to turn up or not. Oh um, my gosh. And uh, there was one day we actually were at the airport and we tried to find out whether he was on and we went to uh, the Malaysia airport's office mm-hmm. and we found out that he was booked on six different flight manifests. Oh, so five different flight manifests. Oh, and wow. he just didn't turn up for any single one of them. And he finally turned up and he was dope. You know, he was super cool. He was super cool. And like, you know, he turned up and literally... He only had one backpack. That was it. He was had wow. one backpack with everything in his life, right? He turned up, and Sanjeev, that uh, you know, that point was basically this is one of the first ever artists that he had uh, handled. I mean, like I threw him down the deep end, like you know, threw <laughs> him into a people fire, most right? <laughs> right? Yeah, you and I know Sanjeev is yeah. a warrior, right? Yeah. Bro, oh my god, I don't know where he's going to turn. Oh, bro, I think we got to cancel the show, lah, bro. And I was like, <laughs> chill, okay? He's gonna turn up. He's he'll gonna come. turn up. Yeah, he'll come. He'll come. Let's have the faith, right? Keep the faith. And sure enough, he turned up. Picked him up from the airport, <laughs> came, rocked it, right? He literally came, dropped his backpack off in the in the um, in the hotel, which is next to the club. It was at last at that point. He ran to the club, rocked it for two hours, right? And then he just like he just wanted to hang out after that. And I remember we were all sat outside um, last, and he was sat on a, a luggage trolley. Oh, he was shit. just answering questions from everybody, and everybody was wow. just, there was a queue of people outside just going. Hey, can I ask you about this? Can I ask you about that? You know, can I ask you about some village? And, and he was just like, yo, da, 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 da. and then after a while, he was like, okay, I'm going to sleep. Because he's like a bit of a philosopher as well, oh like my deep God. thoughts, like Crazy. he's got opinions. I mean, he he was, he, he, he is the manifestation of who he is, Yeah. right? So at some points, you see him as Mostef, and sometimes you see him as Yasin Bey. And literally, you can tell. Who wow. was talking, right? And it was crazy, you know. Like we were like, "Whoa, that's a most of story," and that's a Yasin Bey philosophy, right? <laughs> right. Uh, it was great, you know. Um, but you know, his 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 torture of Sanjeev did not end there, right? <laughs> his torture of Sanjeev ended the next morning when Sanjeev couldn't find him to take him to the airport. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and finally, he found him in his room. He was asleep. And he was Sanjeev was losing his mind because he was like he's not gonna go onto his flight, he's not gonna go to Hong Kong, and he's not going to turn up for his gig. And we'll, he was freaking out. Yeah. Finally, he got into the car. And he was like, you know, Sanjeev again, I'm broke. He's like, you know, this guy is so difficult to work with. I'm like, chill. And you know what? <laughs> Sanjeev was so angry with him, but like you know, like. To all his credit, Sanjeev really kept his calm because yeah. I thought Sanjeev was going to blow up. He kept his calm and just made sure that he got him to the airport, got him checked in, and all that. But during the car ride, um, he told Sanjeev one thing that, like, I swear to God, if that was me, I would have like ripped this guy to pieces. But Sanjeev miraculously, miraculously kept his cool. He just said, like, my daddy told me, don't um, don't wait for a plane. Let the plane wait for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
or something to that effect. <laughs> uh, bless Sanjeev. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that was a great gig, and um, I'm glad to say that you know, I host most def. Yeah, that's that's so dope. Yeah. So, so when you're booking artists like this, like whether it's for club shows, live shows, artists or DJs. What are you thinking about? What What is your process in trying to decide who is going to be the opening act? Okay, so support. Yeah. The support acts. Or like who are the opening. support acts? Uh, how do you choose the supporting acts like for these artists or for festival stages like FMFA? What, yeah. what can local acts, what do local acts need to do to really stand out and be unique in their own way wow. to really capture an attention of a booker to open wow. for these artists? I mean, it comes back down to what we talked about, right? I think yeah. bookers, I mean, yourself included, um, we have started to see through the bullshit, yeah. right? So those artists that are honest, they're out there, they're doing it for the right reason. Um, and there is a, also a certain art to it, I guess, you know, to make sure that you're always in the realm or in the vision of the booker. I think that's really important. So. I think the first thing basically artists should do is just make sure that whatever they're doing, they're doing it with pure honesty. Purity is so, so important. Um, it is important to also keep updating everything that you do, right? It, I mean, and <clears throat> making sure that whatever you're doing is done um, with respect, you know? Okay. Sometimes I can see a lot of people put up mixtapes and you can hear from the mixtape, everything's been ripped. Okay. Right? That's not, you're not, I mean, if you don't respect the artist of the music that you're playing for, right, then don't expect me to respect you. I think that's something, you know, like in a mixtape, especially when it's like a demo, put, you know, put effort into it, right? Um, that's one thing. Um, you know, make sure that your, your, you know, your socials, you know, make sure everything that you portray, that you want to portray out there is who you are as well. Yeah. Again, me and you, we can see the bullshit. We can see through the bullshit, you know? When people start posting like, you know, smashed it, killed it, mm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> you and I know, right? Um, don't get me wrong, it looks impressive to the followers, yeah. but to the people who are going to book, we see right through They're it. They're pretty aware. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, honestly, as a promoter, yeah. I think it's just basically making sure that I'm consuming the right material out there you know like listening to enough music uh, not really going down too many rabbit holes I try to like make sure that I have you know enough understanding out there of what I'm listening to yeah. and who I'm listening to and you know but I think most importantly is having a really good group of people that you trust okay. around you right whether it's a DJ a promoter a music producer like you know, like I count you in that, in that my circle. I count, you know, people at Sanjeev again. Carla, you know, my business partner, she's got great taste in music yeah. as well um, on, on the trance and, and uh, the electronic side. And, you know, I have a few people that I kind of like uh, rely on, right? Okay. So whenever like we have big decisions to make, I don't make it alone. There's never such a thing as you making it alone, right? Okay. You got to make sure that the, basically you put feelers out and make sure that you're on the right track. Yeah. Understand. And I... More, more than anything else, you know, I think as bookers, mm -hmm. we should give people chances. Yeah. Right? Definitely. It is so easy to book just the normal names that you know are going to bring people through the door. Yeah. But assume there's like, you know, two or three warm-up acts before your main act. 
you should always give like a chance to like some people who you believe in. They may or may not be the best DJ, but if their heart is in the right place, if they got a good ear for music, if they have good spirit, why not? That's right? so true. Why not? Yeah. You know, because that one little step to give them might propel them to be the next us. Yeah. Right? Or to be the next you or to be the next Dahlia, you know? Uh, I think that's really important because if we don't give them that chance, then, and also, oh, very, very important. I, I know it's weird to say this in this point in time, but representation. Yeah. Right? So important. I mean, like, we can't keep booking certain demographics or certain types, right? I think it's important to give people of all walks and races and way, walks of life and also genders, right? Yeah. I think we need to basically, as promoters, as bookers, we need to basically understand that our responsibility is to also portray um, representation across all, all sense. So it's very important. That's why like, I keep, whenever I book with Carla, I, like, I always ask her, like, look, do we have good female options on the table? Yeah. Right? It's really important right now, you know, because the disparity, especially in the trans scene, you have no idea, right? Okay. It's 99% male. Wow. I think in, in, for your sound and also for definitely for the house and techno, it's a little bit more... Balance. Balanced up, Still yeah. a lot more guys and girls, but you transient zero. Wow. It's such a male dominated side that it's it's I mean sad. And you know, we want to give them chances, but yeah. can't find any. You know, like yeah. or they're not knocking on a door. But again, this is a common you know, you should be in our vision. Yeah, mm. that's that's very true. Uh, but speaking on trance, uh, Nina Kravis just played like a full side trance set over the weekend so you know hopefully that adds in I mean like look I you know people like Nina Kravis yeah they've been playing trance forever right, right? oh sorry about that um, they've been they've been playing trance forever they've been playing uh, you know trance within their sets because okay. they understand that sets there, there should be no genre yeah there should be a groove there should be a BPM there should be a storyline should be right? a feeling right yeah. and you know I pray for one day that you're gonna drop some trance into your <laughs> oh, sets God. you know <laughs> Uh, you know, but like, I think it's about context, right? Yeah. Uh, and Nina's one of those great examples. Like, you know, she comes, I mean, she grew up in music. Yeah. If you read any story about her, she grew up with like literally a gramophone and tons of records because wow. her parents are musos, right? And her understanding of music is, is, is on another level. And I think that's what's missing. Yeah. Okay. That people think, oh, I'm going to play a genre. What genre are you? I only play house. Mm-hmm. You know, the oh, lacks like a diversification. Yeah, I only play minimal techno. Come on, yeah. right? Really, you know, and yeah, which may lead to your next question. Yeah. So <laughs> speaking on diversification, I mean, we see a lot of DJs, you know, diversifying their sets. I mean, mm. me myself, I'm playing a lot of house, getting into techno, left field techno, acid yep. house, and stuff like that. But yes, it plays a part on the DJs to have a more diverse dance floor. But what? can we do as music consumers mm. to create this diverse and forward-thinking dance floor? I mean, first of all, stop consuming just one type of music. Okay. Right? I think that's the main thing. I mean, you know, like, your DSPs like Spotify, they have amazing things called Discover. Yeah. Right? And it's all about algorithm, right? Because if you just listen to one type of music, it's just going to keep feeding you that one type of mm-hmm. music, right? But if you start to say, hey, I'm, you know... Um, I'm going to try and listen to something else. The, the, the algorithm works, right? Yeah. I mean, um, it's based on Last FM. Yeah. You know, and Last FM is pure algorithm, right? <laughs> yep. and, and sometimes when you throw it some curveballs, it surprises you with more suggestions. 
right? Yeah. Or radio shows. You're like, yo, what's that? You know, mm-hmm. that that's. A, I recently discovered this uh, weird thing called music um, music map. I don't know whether you've ever seen it. Music map. Look look for it. Musicmap.org. Okay. Right. If you type in one artist, it shows you a map, and it's an organic map of all the other artists that sound like that. Wow, music musicmap.org. Music yeah, something wow, something along that. I mean, I just I just found it like you know a few few months ago, and it's it's really kind of given me a perspective. Yeah, because I then now understand like okay, this is how far this certain artist is away from this artist, but then it starts to show you organically how you know they kind of like relate to each other. How true it is, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I really don't know. But it's fun. <laughs> Especially when you got all this time at home, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to for consumers, okay? For yeah. this part, yeah. consumers. Consuming is one thing. Supporting. Go to shows that are not necessarily in your comfort zone as well, right? Okay. Because promoters like us, we rely on people coming to the shows, right? So if your friend says, hey... I know this is not your thing, but why don't you come? I think you're going to have fun. Go. Right? Yeah. I think it's really important to, especially in this point in time in the, um, the Great Reset. Yeah. yeah. I think it's such a good time to basically open up your horizons in terms of not just about consuming music, but like about seeing what's on the other side. Yeah. So when and when, not how, what, how? when, clubs and shows finally go open... I mean, come on, go wild, go to everything. <laughs> Try like go to a jazz night, go to a techno night, trance night, hip hop night. Absolutely. Even try everything out. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's especially like people in, <clears throat> but also because you've been influencing them. But a lot of the people you and Risky have influenced so many people, <laughs> right? I think I don't know whether you guys have force-fed people music <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> But like you guys have literally created this kind of sub appreciation, uh, sub genre appreciation of the house and techno scene from DJs that are not necessarily of that genre. If you call, look at them two years ago, yeah. And honestly, hand on heart, I credit you wow, and Risky, you. yeah, um, for for doing that through the radio show and through just personally pushing music, and that's that's great, you know. And I think that if you can do that for your audience. Yeah, through the radio show or both radio shows through like Saturday Selects and also through Spectrum. Yeah, imagine what other people should be doing. I think exactly. that's a, you know that's really my my point to really educate the crowd. Yeah. and you know show them that there's just more than if they are a house music listener that there's a lot more than just house music. There's techno, there's yeah. left field techno, trance, and all that. Yeah, uh, I think the word educate is really dangerous though. Okay, right? Why? Because when you say educate, immediately a wall comes up. School. School. <laughs> you know? It's like, you know, like, I, there's, there's, you know, like how we used to say bojo. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You, do, you don't go to bojo. So I think we should have this kind of bojo culture for, okay. for music as well. It's like, yo, come on, listen to this. You okay. know, as opposed to like, I would like to educate you about this genre. Because mm-hmm. immediately, all those people that are not so open, that wall goes up. Yeah. And then it's like, no one, nah. right? Okay. So I think, I think our job is basically to try to feed organically. Yeah, and, organically feed and, these and, people. And, you know, and influence in different ways through the sets, through okay. bookings, through you know, the radio shows, or, or however, really. You know, even using your social media power to just kind of say like, that, I just listened to that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And okay. even, even for people like 
Maybelline and the people at Babel Dance, right? Yeah. And all the dancers, I mean, look, how they are sharing music is basically through dance. Mm-hmm. But like how I see their, the understanding, there are dancers out there now in this scene that were specifically listening to hip hop and now they're listening to house and dance hall and all that. Wow. But I think it's all kind of like come together because like, you know, through Mayhem Jam and stuff like that, yeah. when, you, when we book you and you're playing dance hall and they're like, hey, what's that? Yeah. I like that, you know? Yeah. I think that that helps, you know? So this organic movement that we're creating through being a promoter, DJ, you know, um, through the dancers, through the radio show and everything else, I mean, that needs to be boy and everybody needs to support each other. Okay. Well, you've men- you mentioned that uh, a lot of people aren't open to the idea of being educated, especially when they ter- use the term educate regarding genres. Yep. But I think uh, students who are studying music yeah. are in it to like really learn and educate mm. themselves about classical music and all yep. the different types of music. You have a house in the UK mm. that houses your entire record collection that yep. you've been collecting over the years. And I think from a previous conversation that we've had, you mentioned that you've made it available to students yeah. around the area yeah. as, a, as, a, as an archive. Yeah. How important is it for, for the scene and community to actually have an archive of music history, local music history especially, I would say? I mean, look, um, I didn't start off to have that for other people. Okay. It's just that because it's there and I felt that, okay, like there are full discographies okay. that I have Right, that probably exists very in like because I, I had a, I had a friend who owned a record shop and okay. basically he used to hey this white label just came in and we think it's the it's going to be signed to defected so like basically I have some of them that were basically white labels before they got signed to defected wow. so like you know I've got two copies of white labels and two copies of the actual defected release <laughs> and like you know that that thing it didn't come on it did, it didn't start because I wanted to like hey make that into an archive. Right? It was just genuinely, like I say, I love music, right? Yeah. Uh, but eventually, when I decided to come home, I had a choice. I mean, you fight with, with me about it. But like, <laughs> I, I had a choice of like, kind of like making sure that it was there so that DJs and producers, especially producers, who basically wanted to listen to get a sample yeah. you know, or to, to, to get inspired, okay. it's there for them, all right? Uh, and and it you know I've got a couple of friends who I really trust and you know they they are like the gatekeepers <laughs> the, the gatekeepers <laughs> the of the gatekeepers of the collection of the and you know the collection's growing wow right? okay. it's, it keeps growing because like someone will say hey you know someone stopped or like has uh, digitized his whole collection he just wants to give it to you so it's just there so like wow. that thing is still, you know like so. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to know there's like, you know, over 10,000 records somewhere. Wow, 10,000 <laughs> records. That's insane. Uh, that, you know, I can't bring it back anymore because it's now not mine anymore. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. belong it's to the community. It belongs to the community. Sense, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so it's, it's nice to know that that's there. Yeah. And that's um, hopefully um, inspiring a new generation. Yeah. You know, and keeping a certain generation still there and relevant. That's mm-hmm. also the other point. Okay. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the house that you have, the, uh, this entire record collection is in the UK. And right after that, uh, we, you came back to KL mm. uh, around 2006, 2007. 2007. Yeah, 2007. Yeah. And uh, you jumped right back into working with Zook KL yeah. for five years. And I have a quote from an interview you did with The Star. 
where you spoke about rebuilding the soulful house scene in KL. Yeah. Every year, there's a generation of people coming back or just coming out to the clubs. Yeah. Like, like we spoke about earlier, I think some of the responsibilities of booking DJs falls onto the promoters by staying up to date with their new faces of the global electronic scene yep, yep. and legendary names. Who are your top picks that our listeners should be tuning in in 2020? I mean, <laughs> you know, for me, and this is... This is weird because like right now I'm in slightly different phase of my life okay I started going back I started to figure I started to try to um, work backwards to figure out what key moments in music history has influenced certain things to to the new sounds that are out out there now right so I'll give you a really good example um 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 Defected, right? Okay. If if you go back to Defected zero zero one, which is um, if I'm not wrong, Star Search, Star Searches, I can't get enough at zero zero one. Basically, if you take that song and then you basically figure out what was the sample before that and what was the sample before that and what was the flashpoint that basically created this kind of new timeline. Yeah. That's really important. So I try to now geek out in terms of like what the original DJs and original producers that I first started going out listening to. Um, were doing to take a certain sound and like create something. So like you know, it still comes back to people like Masters at Work. You yeah. know, yeah, Dave Lee, aka Joey Negro. Can't call you Joey Negro yeah. anymore. So Dave Lee. <laughs> um, Detroit Swindle just changed the Detroit name. Detroit Swindle. To, you know, yeah, we're gonna have another whole long conversation about yeah. BLM now. Uh, <clears throat> and look, I think um, a lot of these historians. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your DJ Spence, your Charisma. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, the guy that really got me through the first MCO was Bob Sinclair. Okay, and because his daily mix <laughs> live streams crazy mofo right yeah. basically he just decided okay today I'm going to dedicate it to disco and funk yeah right and I would listen to that whole thing and then start to like shazam some of the songs because he was talking in French right so I was yeah. shazam some of the songs and then be just like wow it's like, what's that I would now go back so what I started doing is started going back to Guys who are playing really long sets. Okay. Your Danny Krivitz, Danny Tenaglias, uh, Laurent Gagné. Yeah. You know all these guys, right? Who play really long sets. So they're playing, I don't know, six hours, eight hours, and starting to figure out how are they building the sets. What songs are they playing at certain points? Those key moments. Okay. Right to build the sets and like how that how do they shift from let's just say, you know, jazzy house mm-hmm. to like you know broken beat. Yeah. And then broken beat. I mean, Giles Peterson's another. Oh, just, dude, amazing you know, guy. Right? Amazing DJ, selector. And he's, that's the thing. He's a selector first. Yeah. He, then he's a DJ. He's a great DJ, but he's a selector first. But like, if you listen to his long sets and you start to like, kind of like pick those things out. So for me, if you, in answer to your question, like who should I be listening out to 20, in 2020? It's like, go back, you know, okay. pick out all those old sets, right? Listen to people like Derek Carter. We spoke about Jeff Mills just y- yesterday. Yep. Uh, you know, p- people like that, they're historians, you know, listen to what they're doing. And like, then really take a step back and like say, okay, how is this now influencing what we're listening to now, right? Yeah. Think about disclosure. What disclosure is doing now? Mm-hmm. You know, they they've taken a very UK garage kind of sound, right? Which was around in ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, right? But they made it their own. Yeah, it still sounds the same, but it's not, right? Yeah. But again, so then it comes back down to the whole like sampling thing. I mean, um, 
I was just listening to Rick Rubin's podcast, uh, Rick Rubin's thing with uh, Pharrell the other day. Oh yeah, no, that right? was really good. Uh, such a good yeah, one, right? Yeah, you know, but like there was that point that basically, and you know, um, it was a point where basically he was talking about being uh, sued for um, the sample, right? the sample, yeah. right? Uh, the Marvin Gaye sample, yeah. right? And him and Rick basically agreed that it was not the same song, but because he wanted to create a sound, right? But then. So then he goes really deep into this whole thing, mm-hmm. right? And then you start to listen. Okay, like, look, yes, he was going for this Marvin Gaye sound, but he did not make anything close to that, right? And but like, what were the influences around that? So, so geek out. That's my point, right? Okay. I think uh, Rick Rubin, uh, Malcolm McDowell's podcast with Rick Rubin is just this minefield of like amazing anecdotes and music history. So I listen to that. Nice. That's dope. Well, we're going to segue a little bit into uh, a topic that we're going to be speaking to a lot of our guests okay. about as well. Um, when I speak to you, when I speak to other people about you, they always have a memory or a story that where you have played a pivotal role in the early development of some of these brands, these uh, clubs, um, these groups like Danger Disco, for example, because I had this conversation with Faris. Mm. And uh, you're big on brands, crews, and collectives working together with each other, although they've never heard of each other before. Yeah. Yeah. How important is collaboration for the progress of our industry in the long run? It's the most important thing, right? It's literally the most important thing. If you stay in one lane, you're always going to stay in that lane. And trust me, that road is not going to be lasting forever. Right, okay. the idea is basically for lanes to merge, right? Uh, that's the only analogy that I can give to you because <clears throat> I think everybody has something to learn from each other. Yeah. Um, I think again coming back to longevity when we spoke about yeah. it earlier, I think that if there is only one thing I can say about maybe why I'm still here, it's because I'm still a student. Okay. Right. I try to always be curious and learn about how every, everybody's doing everything. What Danger Disco is doing, I mean, they have their own sound and then they have their separate sound, yeah. right? What um, Faris is doing with Bunga yeah. is, again, completely, you know, something completely different, but still its own thing. What you guys are doing, I mean, like, you know, like I am always in awe as like how fast you guys don't alter but like your guys are always doing something <laughs> slightly new but it's always relevant right yeah um i think that if i could put someone who is willing to learn along with you guys and then create something else isn't that a beautiful thing i think that would be awesome right? if more people were like that i mean i think uh, another person who's amazing at doing this is ion right? oh yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> Fucking mad genius motherfucker. <laughs> you know, like, I love I, the guy. Ion's bits, but from a different planet. He is, right? <laughs> but, like, you know, how Ion um, puts these creatives together. Yeah. You know, that someone that, you know, you're like, what? <laughs> how, uh, how? You know, um, that's great. You know, I yeah. think that's these kind of things uh, is just so important, you know, because everybody has something to bring to the table. Yeah. Everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own, like, little quirks and nuances and also talent. That if you put everything together, it's beautiful, right? Yeah. And this is just in Malaysia. What about regionally? I mean, That's like, so true. one thing that I absolutely 
okay, it's almost like a pet hate right now. It's basically everybody that kind of like keeps themselves in either this I'm in a Malaysia circle or I'm in an international circle. Yeah. People forget about this beautiful thing called Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. right? The house and techno scene, they're doing really well with it, yeah. right? I don't know whether, and and also in 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 certain way, like a little bit, a little bit like your sound as well, yeah. right? Um, there is uh, the collectives that you work with, right? Yeah. Through Southeast Asia, that's mm-hmm. that's so important, right? Yeah. And the house and techno guys, they also do that. I yeah. mean, you know, you see a lot of these kind of DJs trying to travel. Even if the gigs don't pay so much money, yeah. this I mean, last time like, when we can travel, yeah, right? now cannot. Uh, <coughs> hopefully, okay, that's good, huh? But the they would go right and not just play somewhere; they would hang out. They yeah. would go to someone's studio and you know they they work together. Yeah. And that spirit is so important, right? It's so so important. What we don't see in a lot of other things is basically where the the collaboration like between from one collective to another doesn't happen as often as it okay. should right and that very same spirit should also apply to brands yeah right that's super true and I think the brands have only just started to figure that out yeah no right? I agree with you but you want to know why it's not that the brands have figured it out it's just that the people in charge of the brands now, are now our friends yep right people they like understand. Rudy yeah exactly people like Bunga you know yep. Faris uh, Lisa you know um yeah. All these people who are now in brands, uh, uh, eco, you know, yeah, um, and and also people who are in places that can actually make a change, like Victor at W, yep. right? How much has he really kind of like supported the whole scene, you know, single-handedly, dude, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, so much respect and big ups to them for like you know, um, bringing different scenes together, scenes together, right? And the brands need to have people like that. But then the collectives and the DJs also have to be meet halfway lah. Yeah. You know, don't just wait in your bedroom, send out one messenger and hope to get a reply. I mean, yeah. like the hustle. I mean, like, people forget the hustle. We we gotta give special mentions to like local DJ, uh, regional DJs and collectives that have been collaborating like with each other. Sivanesh from Singapore, Nandi from House Cartel yep. in uh, Jakarta. Pantai people and Penny in Bali, exactly, right? You know they've been like working together with one another. Beat Malaysia and KL as well, yeah. Nazarod and Funky Roll. They've exactly. been working together with House Cartel for a while, yeah. and it's really nice to see that happening in the house and techno scene. And yeah. I really hope we see a lot more of that yeah. once the pandemic is over. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one thing I would say is basically that I think that everybody should be talking to each other, not in the hope to work together. You should yeah. just be talking. Yeah, you should be just right? like Yo, hitting what's them up, up. <laughs> yeah, checking like you, in on them. You and Sivanish, the new bromance, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure you guys talk, but it's yeah. not just about work. Yeah. Right. You guys just talk, right? Yeah, and do. I think this is this is super important um, that it doesn't it doesn't happen and it should happen. Yeah. Right? No, definitely. Yeah. Especially with like the pandemic that recently happened, a lot of people around me, like a lot of the DJs, especially fell into this uh, weird headspace. Um, they were in... It, overall, it was just a very depressive state mm. for most people. Uh, I saw your transformation yeah. with the pandemic happening you know, a couple of months in. You got into meditation and yoga and you know we, we were talking really often and communicating. Mm. How has this practice been for the past nine months for you? I mean... My journey, my journey, um, I guess, started in January 
because in January, I, I mean, I, I think I woke up after your party, lah. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up and I felt horrible. Yeah, I woke up on the first of January and I felt horrible. Um, and I kind of and December was really tough, yeah. right? Because we were all working our asses off. But also, you were starting to feel the effects of the pandemic in a way. Yeah. Because you were already starting to feel that people were kind of stopped going out or whatever. Yeah. And I remember, you know, um, waking up and just thinking, nah, this is some something's not, something's not great. I'm I'm burnt out. I need to do that. So basically, I went on this thing called the vegan, uh, the plant power cleanse uh, okay. by my friends uh, Alex and Marissa, um, and that was like a one week vegan cleanse wow, right like okay. and the food gets delivered to you and all that and you know it's look guys just go check it out it's amazing mm-hmm. and um that literally start kick-started everything yeah. right um i started you know counting my steps every day i started and then mm-hmm. when the pandemic really hit right and you have all this time in your hands I'll, i swear to god the first two weeks were horrible I think we had this conversation. Yeah. The first two weeks, because you think it's only going to be two weeks. <laughs> I think most people thought it was just two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So the first two weeks was horrible because I, I literally did not know what to do myself. Right? Yeah. And then when the next time it was announced, it was another two weeks, I kind of said to myself, I was like, look, I think we're in this for the long run. I didn't realize it was going to be this long a run. Mm-hmm. Right? Nine but months. I think we're, yeah. And counting. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be. So, so I, you know, I did like what everybody else was doing. Um, I went online. Right? Okay. I went online, I started reading a lot. Um, I started to try to teach myself to practice yoga. Okay. Okay. I ate a lot better. Um, I slept a lot better. That was the, that was the, 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 the thing that changed. I think sleep, okay. right? Because you know, <laughs> me, sleep, it was bad, right? I started like sleeping a lot earlier okay. and waking up a lot earlier. And right now, that practice still happens today. I still wake up every day right now between 5.30 and 6, right? Wow. Okay. And I spend that one hour, and it doesn't have to be an hour, but I spend that one hour between 5.30 to 6.30 for myself. Okay. Right? So it's whether I choose to practice yoga or I meditate and or I choose to exercise or whatever, it's for myself. Yeah. Uh, I journal, right? Oh, wow. That's why I brought that book. That yeah. <laughs> half is took away from me. <laughs> um, but like, you know, that, that book, that's my journal. So like, you know, okay. I have... This amazing, you, we have the same book, yeah, the one from Uniqlo, right? No, the, Muji. Muji, sorry, the yeah. one from Muji. Uh, so the, the, the Muji books, right, basically I have a ton of them everywhere, okay. right? And they're journals, they're ideas, they're uh, gratitude um, okay. journals, you know? So like, it's, it's just a little bit of everything, but like having that kind of like thing actually written down yeah. makes it real. And that makes everything a lot more, um, a lot more, um, real and viable and and you touch it you know because you touch it so you see it and you kind of go okay but okay so this journey i didn't i didn't force myself into it it just happened right but meditation okay let me tell you one small thing about meditation a lot of people get scared of the word meditation it's not it's not scary right it's literally breathing yeah yeah and that's what people have to like take out of the thing Mm -hmm. just basically learn to breathe first right Learn to breathe first, and you know when they say, well, center yourself. It's breathing. It's bringing awareness to your breathing. Once yeah. you do that, you're literally centered. Yeah. And once you're that, you come into a, a meditative state. Yeah. So there's nothing like, I know some people say, oh, you know, start, start to appear <laughs> and all that. <laughs> so it might, might not happen, but like, yeah. I think this whole like, awareness, yeah. that's meditation itself. So I, I also do this thing where basically I, some mornings I'll go to the park, and I walk really, really, really fast around this 1.2 kilometer track. Yeah. And sometimes I, I find myself 
like going into almost like a zone. And then I checked my counter and I've walked eight kilometers. Wow. Right, in an hour and a half. But like, you don't think about it. Yeah. Right, you don't think about it. You're just in a zone. Yeah. But when you come out of it and you basically come back to reality, you meditated. Yeah. Yeah, you did your meditation. I mean, maybe not for that one and a half hours or whatever, but you went into a zone. You went into you know, a, a state of awareness. You're breathing really good. I mean, like, because I mean, one thing I will say, like, basically, get yourself a, a wearable. Right? Okay. Get a wearable. It's cheap one also, okay. Because you see, they have these apps. And yeah. The apps literally tell you everything. They can help you track everything. Your yeah. sleep, your breathing, your um, your meditation, you know, everything. It's okay. just all there, right? Your resting heart rate. So that really helps because basically you know how you are doing yeah. and how you progress. Okay. Well, I can, we're going to talk a little bit about the flip side of people becoming more health conscious. You know, it helps with the mental state of being home and mm. you know especially those who lost their jobs and the future being uncertain but with mental health being a taboo topic for our industry how important is it for us to come together and communicate about what we're facing and try and help each other especially during a time like this i think it's easier now yeah when you have no job <laughs> <laughs> more time to talk about it yeah and also when it's it's obvious that everyone is going through it yeah but i think you know it is it was a huge issue right last year yeah right you and i know of a lot of people who were in trouble exactly right i was in trouble right uh, i would happily openly say that now right um i was in trouble i mean i was not i was not in peace right uh and i just basically coasted along i mean um, you know we i speak to carla all the time you know and i tell carla like look i'm not having a good day and she's like i think we 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 realize now that you know that there were points that basically we were really in trouble or like or i was or she was or you know like you know personally in trouble but like we just swept it under the carpet just carry on you know yeah. let's go out uh, you know and <clears throat> you know one of the things that people used to, used to do is basically hey come on let's have a drink and let's talk about it yeah. the, having a drink is also a big issue lah, yeah right because that drink ends up you know, going to different places and you're leaving an after party at like six or seven in the morning or whatever. That was me, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> me in a way, but you know, in different ways. Um, but um, that is not something that is good. I think the you need you need everybody needs. Okay, first of all, as an industry, we need to look out for each other. Yeah, right. I think that's what something that we weren't doing. Or we would be a. Macha, you heard about that person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lah. That person, you fucked up, lah. You know, like yeah. I think that right now, if someone did that to me, the first thing I would do instead of like say, like, look, hang on, I'm gonna go call this person, I'm a, or I'm going to ask someone to speak to that person because I think that it's more important to just basically not embarrass, but like ask that person to face, like you know, yo, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yo, I heard this. You know, you want to talk about it. Most of the time, that person is gonna come and brush you off, or they're gonna might be angry with you, or they might even. On the flip side, hey, you stop being so capable and then go and tell someone, hey, this fella is capable or whatever. But I think as an industry, we just got to accept that if we really truly care about our ecosystem, then we should not be letting things slide. Yeah. Right? Um, that's really, really important. I think we should, as an, as an industry, look out for each other. Look out for each other. Yeah. Right? And I use the word industry really importantly because we are an industry yeah right because you see imagine if something drastic happens that affects 
the industry at large, right? And there are too many mitigating factors out there that basically co- could cause this break uh, meltdown, yeah, right, of the industry. So I think that's very important. We should be looking out for each other. Number two, we should educate ourselves. Yeah, right. I think if someone's in trouble, we might not be the solution. We might be the start of that solution. But let's just say someone is addicted to drugs yeah. or someone is hurting themselves. How do we help that person? We have to educate ourselves. Yeah. It's not like only at that point, oh shit, uh, you know, it might be too late. Yeah. Right? We should know like, okay, if this is happening to that person, maybe they should be speaking to this person or we, I should give this phone number to that person to, to talk to. Yeah. Right? I think it's really important for that to happen. It's not happening. It's not. <laughs> it's not, right? And I think as an industry, something that I'm going to work towards in 2021, this problem is one thing, but this problem in men in our industry oh is God. a whole <laughs> new level. That's right? a different story. It's a whole <laughs> different story. So I think that when one thing that I've had during this MCO is basically I've become closer to my bodies. Right? Okay. Like, you know, I'll speak to you. You know, I'll speak to you, I'll speak to Sanjeev, I'll speak to Jaden, I'll speak to like a lot of, and like I realized that basically guys need guys. Yeah. Right? You need, you need a guy to just basically watch, ah. <laughs> oh my God. Today, what happened today, you know? I, we forgot about that. Yeah. We forgot about that, you know, because we're too involved in our own lives and we see these people sometimes socially, mm-hmm. but we have forgotten about the mama session. Yeah. All right? But not necessarily, but what I'm hoping to do moving forward is yeah. to just try and get guys to speak to each other or guys to do that guy things to each other that does not involve drinking or going out or whatever <laughs> I feel you. you you're speaking a lot about the industry and before we close it off I really want to talk about the toxicity that exists in Oof. our industry is there such a thing as good collective industry mental health absolutely or there should be there should right? be you know um I speak to a lot of people abroad, um, especially through um, White Music Week. So, like, since yeah. we took on White Music Week, one of the things that we have uh, pushed forward, right, is basically mental health in the yeah. electronic music industry, yeah. which is at its lowest, you know, or was, is still at its lowest. I mean, look, yeah. just not long ago, you know, we, we lost another one, yeah. right? We lost IO, yeah. right? And uh, prior to that, we've lost a lot of people, you know, and, you know, I've, I've got personal friends, you know, who are really suffering, like uh, Benga. Yeah. Right. Who not doing too well, you know? And I'm reaching out, sending you vibes, bro. But this happens because the industry is toxic, right? Yeah. You are pushing yourself all the time. You have to do this and you have to do that, and you're basically forgetting the one most important thing that is basically yourself, right? Um, the industry has been taking itself or taking care of itself financially healthy but the underlying part of health is not there I mean not just mental health physically yeah a lot of people are basically borderline going to have heart attacks right (laughs) people in our industry people in our industry you know from the smoking and the the late nights and the late nights I mean look this is not a great life for us (laughs) yeah you know people have to understand that basically sometimes I mean I remember when you were still staying in Bangsa yeah right you leave a club, you leave for six at like, I don't know, four, five a.m., yeah. right? And then I'm like, dude, we got a meeting at 11. <laughs> we have to go and, and, you know, we'd both turn up wrecked. Yeah. Right? And it's like, that's not good. Yeah. That really isn't good. It's not know? a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. I'll tell you, like, 
during that point, I, I remember like so when I first had my first wearable, right? My resting heart rate was 75, dude. Wow. Right? That's not cool. Yeah. Right? That's really, really tough, you know? And, and I was constantly in the high 90s throughout the day. That's, that's not good. That's literally your heart beating a lot faster than it should. And pretty damn sure that wasn't even checking, but like my blood pressure would have been too high. So the industry as a whole needs to rethink about how we are treating everybody else. Yeah. Right? Not just about, oh, that guy's in trouble. Forget about that guy's in trouble. That guy should not have not been in trouble in the first place. Yeah. We should be creating an environment around us that everybody's taking care of each other. Yeah. Right? That means if someone comes out, Instead of taking someone out drinking, take them for a hike. Yeah. We've got one of the most beautiful countries in the world, right, when it comes to nature, right? Yeah. And since MCO and since all this, I've discovered all hiking, right? We should be taking our guests out hiking. Like, let's give them that kind of, like, lifestyle so that basically after a night, you know, give, or, or, like, making sure that basically when they, they're hydrated, making sure that they are, you know, they, they are healthy, because when we send them off to the next thing, that next promoter should also be taking care of them like that. Yeah, that's you know we should be taking care of each other. So I had this conversation with um, I can't even remember who, but like basically there should be a code of conduct for promoters and artists. Okay. Right. Last that's time. That's interesting. Last time it was only can you fulfill the rider. Yeah. Right. And you and I have seen some crazy yeah. riders. Right. We've seen some stupid riders. We only fulfill the rider. There should be a social rider. There should be a mental health. You know, like there should be a health rider. We yeah. should have a certain amount of SOP to make sure that when we receive an artist or we receive a guest, whether it's international, regional, or local, mm-hmm. we should also be looking out for them. Yeah. Right. And making sure that they go off to the next person in good health. That's true. Right. That's let's just start with that. Yeah. I don't know. That that there's there's a lot of work that we need to do yeah. as an industry. Uh, toxic absolutely toxic but on the flip side now that we recognize it's toxic we should also be having the other side of things yeah we should put forward like initiatives to really counter that yeah so can we expect some of these uh, new initiatives and new projects coming from Adam from yourself from Adam Matthews and Plural Asia going forward into 2021 as long as you're on board (laughs) (laughs) I'm always on board look I think um it's not about me or it's not about plural. I mean, like me and Carla have been talking a lot about like what we're going to do next, yeah. right? Um, in terms of that, I mean, also with John, with Wyatt, right? Yeah. Where are we going to go next? Because obviously the previous industry, bye-bye, yeah. right? I mean, like exactly. the way we used to operate. But the way we are operating now, like this. I mean, if I came to you six months ago and said, hey, I'm going to be set you know, having an interview podcast. You're probably going like, that's a cool idea, but I never thought of that, <laughs> yeah. right? So the industry is evolving yeah. at a very fast rate. And I think we all are, are all involving. So what's next is basically me going back to the drawing board, right? Okay. Um, in terms of like how we can all take care of each other in terms of the toxicity, the anti of toxicity, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, to, to, to counter that, that there should be one thing, the mental health things, the thing with guys is like you know guys talking to each other is really really important uh, you know i want us as an industry to be more creative and to be more innovative i think okay. that's, i mean like look we we should be right yeah. i mean we spoke about like the current project that we're doing yeah. that's innovation you know yeah. coming up with things that would be a little bit more fun yeah. and hopefully be able to like keep things moving forward yeah um so i'm not letting i mean like it seems like such a like a 
on the fence kind of uh, idea. Answer, okay? But, but, but there are things coming. No, I mean, look, there, there's there's a lot of things coming, but it's so hard to say. Okay, one thing I will always say right now is basically I live in the moment. Right? You live in a? I live in the moment. Oh, you live in the right? moment. Okay. Trying to plan for six months right now in this current industry, <laughs> no. We don't no. really know what's going to happen either. But what I try to do is basically not live in the moment as in like, I'm not, as in everything I can do at this particular point in time, I will do. Okay. So that that becomes a record of what happened at that moment in my life. Yeah. As opposed to what I was like a year ago where basically in six months I want to do this, in three months I want to do this. No, just yeah. do it now. Okay, right? fair enough. So being in the moment is very important. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things about like Wyatt Music Week that's going to come up. Like we, we want to have a Wyatt Music Conference, okay. right? Wyatt Music Week uh, Conference soon uh, in Genting. But we have to wait for where the situation comes out. But like we know, we obviously pivoted. You've been on our... Yeah virtual conferences and all that so that we are going to call, uh, pivot but like we do want to also create maybe a boot camp okay right a boot camp for people like us okay but under Wyatt where you're not just um, learning to be a good music producer or something like be a good financial planner yeah. because that's so important right yeah. learn how to learn how learn how to cope with, you know with crisis I mean if I had no if someone had taught me how to learn to cope with crisis I think we would be, I would be in a lot better sense so I'm trying to create a a, a real in real world boot camp okay right in real life boot camp for people like us so that's we're going to do that through Wyatt as well so there's a lot of things that, that we are talking about and planning but again I'm going to try everything in my power to do it now but when it can happen awesome alright Adam thank you so Dude, much thank you so much I'm not look like I said I said at the start of the thing I am so in awe with what you guys are doing thank you uh, you and, and the boys you know a shout out to Evan Ivan. Ivan, <laughs> my after party partner. <laughs> um, you know, like, look, what you guys are doing right now is amazing. Um, and please just keep going in every single way, direction possible. Because, like, honestly, you guys inspire me. I you you that. especially inspire me. Right? I, I wish that. I had Thank the so energy <laughs> to keep up. But I like, wish you know, I was in, in your 20s and at Gatecrasher in Ibiza in the UK. I think that was. You must are have been doing awesome. it now. Yeah. You are doing in it in your way now. That's the only thing I can say. You know, like, yeah. look, you know, like, that's. It doesn't stop you that when we eventually, you know, we always talk about, like, we should go to Ibiza together. You know, yeah. like, when all this happens, let's do it. But, like, Hopefully think, next year. whatever mm. you're doing now is in the now, and that's great. And don't stop doing it. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Adam Matthews. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Um, See you guys. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Signing Cheers. out. Take care.